Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives. One minute of screen time per episode, as per our mandate. Uh, I'm Pete the Retailer from Star Wars Minute. I'm John Engel from 007 by 7 Podcasts. Uh, yeah, well, we are um, also co-hosts, too. We're half of the co-hosting team. Is that is that a good way to put it? Of, uh, sure. Uh, a non-Movies by Minutes podcast, but it's related. It's a similarly um, structured and uh, fraught uh, production. In the, We're doing ABCDTOS, where we go alphabetically through all of the Star Trek, the original series episodes. So check that out if that's of interest to you. It's not minute by minute. It's episode by episode, but they're in alphabetical order. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the challenge. Is the alphabeticity right. of it? I guess that's that's, that's the that's hook. Word. Uh, well, today we are here to talk about minute twenty six, two six of um, the best years of our lives. Minute uh, twenty six starts. Uh, it goes from so long, pop, to we've we've reached the point. Those are the two uh, the two bits. Sounds we like get... a greatest hits album. Yeah, so long, pop. <laughs> It's like a K-Tel ad. Yeah. <laughs> We've reached um, the point. You, the, the, uh, we get, and I, I don't have the character names in front of me, but that basically it's like we get somebody leaving the movie for the foreseeable future. But they, they're not in any of more, the rest of our minute. The family mm-hmm. that we see at the very beginning is not in the rest of our minutes here. Spoilers. Um, But uh, it's, it's like, all right, see you later. And then that guy leaves the movie. And then we get some other stuff, <clears throat> right? Um, we get a we get a strong transition here. So I mean, the, it's kind of fun that we get this transitional moment in our minute because mm-hmm. we just left. Dana Andrews's character has gone home. He right. literally lives on the other side of the tracks, as demonstrated by the train <laughs> sound that we can hear as they're dissolving into the next scene, <laughs> and we dissolve right into this uh, lovely, you know, upper middle class. Like I don't know what you call this room, like a parlor. Almost. It's not right. even the living room. It's like yeah, the sitting like room. Drawing room. Or, or the drawing room, right? So we're getting this distinct, you know, very intentional juxtaposition between uh, the social status of two of these characters. And then we get, you know, we don't get this in our minutes, but there's this third, very middle class to lower middle class social structure for a character, uh, the character of Homer, right. that we don't see in our minutes. But Weiler, I think, goes out of his way to demonstrate social differences throughout this, uh, social class <laughs> differences throughout this film. In order to, I think there was an attempt, uh, I mean, I know there was an attempt to make sure he was hitting a broad scope of veterans with uh, sure. the point of view. So um, I've always found, you know, we get Frederick March here, uh, the character of Al. Yeah. I've always found him an interesting bit of casting. <laughs> um, great actor, considered to be one of the great actors of the 20s and 30s. And still strong actor here, but also 50. I mean, were there 50-year-old? Maybe I don't know. Were there 50-year-old sergeants coming home from the from in the infantry? <laughs> I, it, I mean, not, yeah, not from the infantry. That's the, that's the thing. Like, it seems like, you know, if he had been an established, um, you know, an officer, like if he was like a career guy, we could see that. Mm-hmm. But it's it, if it's like, no, he was a banker and then he went off and you know came back it does seem does seem a little odd but uh, again we weren't there um no so maybe they were pulling in people you know after a while they they were running out of humans <laughs> essentially so 
maybe they, they expanded it quite a bit. It's interesting. I see. This is one of those things where I should have researched. I asked that question now. I should have asked it of myself earlier and researched it because I don't uh, have. I'm not a veteran. I've never been in the military. I have mm-hmm. only a loose understanding of rank. Right. I thought. I always thought that a sergeant was an enlisted man. I'm pretty sure they are. Mm. So that means he enlisted in the army as this forty uh, some year old banker, right? Before going overseas, and I just it's interesting. I don't. I don't know if he's playing 50, though. That's the that's the other question, though. The casting is Frederick March. I think he was 48 or 49 when they shot this. Right. Um, is Al 48 or 40? I don't know. Myrna Loy wasn't that old, I don't believe. Uh, maybe she was at, she was about 40 or so. So anyway, I don't know. I've always found it interesting casting and wondered why, why not someone else. And I know that Weiler had to ask him to lose weight for the role because huh. he was getting that 50-year-old punch. And, uh, you know, big movie star, living the big movie star life, uh, living large, uh, sure. so to speak. And he had to go to him and say, hey, you've been on K-rations for years now. You need to look <laughs> like it. And But March, went, he went through the physical transformation, which I uh, commend him for. Yeah. And, you know, a big part of probably why he won an Oscar was some of the, uh, oh, for this role, was some of the Like, do you think he, he actually communicated with? Did he, like did he do like a boot camp like a very method kind of like all right well you're training to no. well that's like, interesting should we get I... somebody out there to kind of train you and get you like this is military you're just gonna eat you know uh, <laughs> what is it chipped beef on toast what's the, the right uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what they call it but the let's well, just eat right, the, right, right. The, you know less than perfect uh, less than ideal tasty foods yeah I don't know I that concept of the movie boot camp. Where did that start? I'm trying to remember. I, I feel like I, you know, Platoon, I think Oliver Stone put those right. guys to it. We know that James Cameron did it with Aliens. Um, but I don't think they were thinking about it. And I don't think Frederick March is going to do that. <laughs> he's living. Yeah, no. He's going to the Brown Derby. And I, I don't think he was. It, Method wasn't there yet, for one thing. Right. Like yeah. We're pre-Method here. And Frederick March was certainly pre-Method. Uh, but I don't know. I know that he was told. I Weiler told him in no uncertain terms, hey, buddy, I get it. He said, I get it. I'm here with you. I've gained a lot of weight since the war, too. I know what you're doing. Right. So, uh, But he does. He is pretty slim and trim. Mm-hmm. Got to give him that. And was he, um, do you think, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, is that, all, is that playing into that, do you think? Is that like a... Oh, maybe. Um, like is that so you're you're seeing him and you're thinking okay well maybe not maybe everything's not all surface maybe there is something else lurking here maybe i mean maybe that would be one way um you know he did go through that physical transformation literally in the movie you know that challenge that lon cheney kind of role thing where right. you like Maybe I could see Weiler suggesting, "Hey, remember when you did that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, you know, get into that mindset." And but he also, yeah, he's fat cat banker, right? Um, there's part of him that's the fat cat banker, but that he's not that man anymore, and he's struggling with that. Obviously, as that's sure. as you go through the movie, that's what you see his story arc. B is you know, I used to be that man. I'm not that man anymore. People won't expect me to just be that man again. So, yeah, there's a duality thing for sure. <laughs> Duality of man, sir. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, and we we kind of fade into this uh, in, in the middle of him kind of uh, 
presenting his his kind of trophies of war to his son. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's well, there, there's two things. One one it uh, it made me think of um, if you haven't, I, I recommend it's really bizarre and interesting life story of uh, Joe Max Straczynski. Um, who created Babylon Five and and has written mm-hmm. a bunch of other stuff and <clears throat> um, he has this whole story. You know, his his uh, dad. It turns out was like a was a young Nazi. Um, and uh, uh, spoilers for it. I don't know. Like I, I don't I don't think it's set up in a way that it's uh, you know, a, a, a big reveal, but. It, He's an excellent storyteller in that regard. He tells his life story in a, in a really compelling, interesting way. But he's got this whole scene laid out where, like, you know, his father used to take, like, the Nazi uniform out of the closet or out of the attic or whatever and, you know, like, lay it out and was trying to impress his son with it, essentially, or making him wear it. So he could be like, oh, mm-hmm. you could be, like, you, you could be cool like me, essentially, in, in, in a really kind of, you know, broken kind of twisted way. And that, the part of this made me think of that because he's thinking, you know, in in presenting it, the father is is saying, you know, just like, oh, look, this is, you know, this is what we did. This is what we went there for. This is what the whole thing was about. And look, here are the right. spoils of war. Here are the trophies. Um, but but, I mean, even I'm not sure if even at the time it it did it seem as barbaric as it does to me now watching it at the time that this movie was released probably not as much but it's still probably you know a little bit just the the detail that he goes into yeah i think that um i think it did to some Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's what rob here the son is demonstrating yeah i think they they're doing it subtly because we're on the heels we're still on the heels of the propagandistic era of hollywood filmmaking right sure and Weiler's not necessarily, he's not interested in, uh, as we find out in strong terms later in the movie, he's not interested in questioning the war through this film, necessarily. He's not averse to bring up the topic of questioning the war. But I do think Rob, Rob is an interesting guy here. This is really all he gets in the movie, too. Uh, there's one other scene with him, but he's more like a comic. Hmm. He plays kind of the same beat of being very curious about certain things about the war. Right. And then he has a little comic moment. I don't think we ever see him again. But uh, he's kind of a war nerd. This yeah. is like a subtle little, a subtle little uh, example. That, uh, as we get, we'll get in later minutes this week too, of what was going on in the home front during the war. They they don't press it too hard, but in this case, he's filled with knowledge about the war. He's clearly listening to lectures, reading things. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old Rob's supposed to be. I don't remember if they mentioned that he goes to high school or is he in college already? But it certainly feels to me like a, a kid with a liberal arts education in that mm-hmm. he's got some liberal right. professors talking to him about Japanese culture as he seems to know a lot about it, right? Right. And he's, I think, sympathizes with J- the Japanese. And they're not saying it outright here, but his right. reaction to these things isn't well, you and I are, and probably everyone listening to the show for the most part, are nerds. Uh, we get into something, we're really into it, and we don't turn our noses up at collectibles. Right. <laughs> but he <Yeah>. does. <laughs> he he seems to be very interested in the details of the war, but he is not. Uh, he clearly is not. Um, these trinkets are not appealing. And then mm-hmm. his understanding of what the names on the flag represent yeah. in Japanese culture makes you 
you know, and, and then the dad kind of knows too, right? I mean, <laughs> he knows that too. And it's maybe he's like, man, maybe this was kind of a weird thing to take. <laughs> and well, and that whole like that, that exchange there that's so like at the heart of everything. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, well, like, oh, that's great, dad. Yeah, the Japanese attach a lot of importance to their family relationship. <laughs> and then the father just saying, like, yeah entirely different from us <laughs> like yeah it's that I'll like say. <laughs> it's like right. perfectly like yep we don't we're not attached at all like this is surface and you know you know i will say this i, I love this movie by yeah. the way I, it's a it goes way back with me i've seen it multiple times if if you if i'm reading this script i'm putting a big x over that line <laughs> i'm saying you do not need this line we know we're him saying that there right is saying an awful just saying that about the Japanese and the the way the scene's playing out is saying that for us, but subtlety. There's a lot of subtlety in this film. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. sometimes it'll be it can be a little what we call on the nose now. Sure. I just think the, the 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 sensibility was different then. You know, I don't I don't dock at points. I'm just saying if you handed me the script, I would be like, oh yeah, you don't need this line here. <laughs> right. You don't need to say that. No. But it is poignant, but, and maybe it was so poignant oh, yeah. at the time, it did kind of need to be said. You know, that's a shocking thing to say at the uh, to an American yeah. audience in 1946. So, um, so maybe, but the, this day and age, you would not have that line. I don't think. Probably depending on who you're. Who your <laughs> well, you might was. have it, but you, <laughs> yeah. but you probably don't like that movie as much. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> right, but yeah, um, it was. Uh, yeah, it's it, interesting. Yeah, it, it's also like not just the, um, not just specifically he uh, the son being kind of a war nerd, but I feel like just him being into almost like the science of it too just seems totally at odds with, you know, not just for being a banker, but but the the old school like I don't want to learn new things kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. Um generation gap um or and, and you know it's with fear of of kind of change and their kids being different than them not having that bond i i think that's the underlying i'm going to try to nail the the one kind of uh, f- fear of change is is the the theme of this minute this is what i'm yeah. this is what i'm pinning it to and it's it's um him losing not losing his son, but just kind of like the world changing. And I guess that's that's going to be a, a huge part of all of this movie is the world changing while they were kind of away. But also, you know, how, how the world changed and how they changed while they were at war. But but that right. fear of change, that's going to be our first our first thematic topic. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to know how old Rob is, yeah. like exactly, because I want to know what he was like when when Al left. Because he has this right. expectation, he snaps that samurai sword into the scabbard and hands it over. And you get the idea that when he left, Rob was 12 or something and would have been super excited about anything like a, a sword or a machine gun toy of anything. And sophistication happened while he was away. It was, right, uh, yeah. It, it's a nice beat. It kind of makes you want to know. But you, you, I think it's enough to know that he's in school. Like she make we make it pretty clear. Yeah, he's still in yeah. school. Let's just guess he's in high school. And um, but I don't know. I, as far as how that dynamic goes between the two of them, it'd be kind of interesting to know that the how old was this kid the last time he saw him? 
Yeah, because it does. Yeah, like you would think. Um, yeah, if he was a couple of years younger, just being like, like check it out, a sword, like anywhere right. from the ages of like you know, three to thirteen, probably he would be uh, right. you know like all all over that. But then it is now he's a little bit uh, you know more discerning. You're right. Yeah. Um, or at least not more discerning, but just more interested in in uh, the. Like I said, science, knowledge, et cetera. Um, all right. Well, that is, um, that's the first minute. Uh, well, 26, our first minute of this, minute 26. Um, that was all I had for, um, for, for this. Although I did, I did uh, the ominous, that first note, I want to go back to the opening again, that saying it's good to be home in a movie is rarely a good omen. Ah, it's good right. to be home. You know, that yeah. means like you, something's going to happen to you or your home. Um, on a Star Wars level, look what happened to Han Solo right after he, a little bit after he said it's good to be home or Chewie <laughs> were home. Then uh, then what happens? Yeah. Um, yeah. Typically in a movie, if it's good to be home, nobody right. needs to say it. We're, we're, we can tell it's good to be home if you're saying it. <laughs> Especially if you're walking out of the house, it's good to be home, Dad. See you later. That right, that yeah. is kind of indicative of some. And you know, we didn't have the minutes last week, but yeah, it doesn't look like it would be so great to be at that home. It just looks yeah. a little doesn't look like the comforting, warm place that um, <laughs> you think of as home. But I will say, since we did get that one little sliver of Dana Andrews, mm-hmm. and that's all we're going to get for this week. Just want to say I love Dana Andrews. <laughs> He's great. One of the great Hollywood. You know, Laura is really high on my list of film noir and. I just want to say, love Dana Andrews. That's all. Noted. <laughs> and accepted. Thank you. Um, but, uh, well, speaking of uh, being home, um, you can find this show at its home, which is thebestminutes.com, or you can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, um, pretty much anywhere. If you want to hear more of this, we're, they're, all the minutes of this movie will be covered um by different folks from different teams of all different uh, movies by minutes shows so uh you can also follow along social media you got butch's place the best years of our lives listeners cafe on facebook or on twitter at the best minutes and uh overall it's gonna be john and i back here again tomorrow for a uh, brand new episode of the best minutes podcast Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.